Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intracasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then you shop as you normally would. Today, we're talking all about Roll20. My guest is Nolan T. Jones, one of the co-founders of the greatest virtual gaming table of all time, in my humble opinion. Nolan, Ooh. thank you for being here today. That's a, that's a hell of an intro. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, man, I love it. I don't, I don't know how to follow that. Well, uh, you know, it's just, it's amazing, and I've been using it for, uh, since launch, pretty much. Uh, I didn't back you guys on Kickstarter because I didn't know about it, um, but pretty much as soon as you launched, you were in the what? zeitgeist and everything, and, and I've been using it ever since, and it's how I play every single week. So thank you for that. Thanks for uh, thanks for using us. It's it, It's been such a wild ride. Like it, It's still one of those things. I was talking with one of our moderators today about this. Like I still can't believe that the thing... Richard Riley and I made to play games with each other. This came up, they were, they were looking at the front of the website and they were like, who's this other person in the picture? And it's like, oh, that's one of our friends that, you know, we made this to play with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't some business stock photo person, you know, that we, that we got in a call. It was like, oh yeah, that's, that's literally us just playing in Roll20 because we needed this to, you know, keep in touch. Well, talk to me a little bit about that. So how long ago did you guys get the idea for Roll20? I want to say it was, the turnaround time was absurd. It was something like February of 2012, and then we were Kickstarter mid-March. I mean, it, it was a very fast, so we had, we had attempted previously some other online solutions for tabletop gaming and it went very poorly <laughs> would be the, the truth of the matter and so riley at that point was working at a not-for-profit and he was doing things with um, image sharing essentially he was helping at that point mostly non-verbal kids with a they were visually showing what they wanted for lunch so they'd put things using this application food images on a plate to show what they wanted to eat. And I'm talking with him about, I had just started playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons 4th edition again with some people out here in Las Vegas. He was in Kansas City, or actually he was in Wichita at that point. And uh, Richard was in Arlington, Virginia, uh, which is where you are, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, we hadn't been playing for, I mean, gosh, the better part of a year. Uh, we were, none of us were currently on the world of Warcraft smack or anything like that, uh, which is you know, better for our productivity, but we hadn't been, it'd been a while since we'd attempted a project and I was talking with Riley about Dungeons and Dragons and he was like, I think this thing that I'm working on, like I could do something like this, uh, and it would, it would do everything we need because what's a map token set up, you know, it, they're just images. You know, you put one image on top of the other and move it, which is exactly what I'm working on right now. So he went and, you know, cooked up a prototype and we were playing games almost instantaneously. Wow. Um, and a little bit into it, he's like, I, I think other people would be interested in this, right? And I was like, yeah, I, I have a bunch of friends who have recently done comic books on Kickstarter. And I think that we should put it out there. And it's funny, like, now that's such a obvious thing. But at that point, it was not quite as obvious. Like there, there was not the uh, the big crowdfunding explosion 
was just getting started at that point. And so it really was like it it was unusual that my friend had put his comic on Kickstarter, which is such a bizarre uh the, the friend in this case being Frank Barbary, whose uh Five Ghosts is still <laughs> ongoing at Image Comics. Yeah. Uh, and and that's one of the so he was the person that I had talked with about Kickstarter and like that Kickstarter again, it did okay. Like his Kickstarter got him the first issue done and he couldn't get anybody in town to look at it. Uh, did that and it did okay. And image was like, Oh, we'll give you a shot. Uh, <laughs> and it, it was kind of a similar thing that we, uh, I was sit down. I was like, Riley, we should, you know, we should look at Kickstarter. And Riley goes, well, I don't want to be locked into a month long Kickstarter that goes terribly and it's embarrassing. So let's just do, I think we did 18 days. Um, the, the idea being that it was just over two weeks. So we would get two mo- or three Monday rushes as opposed to uh, two. Mm-hmm. And we made the five thousand dollars we asked for in the first thirty six hours, and life started changing. <laughs> uh, I mean, it took us uh, two years before I was I was the last one to quit my day job, and it was because of comics. I was still paying uh, <laughs> multiple artists on projects and stuff like that, and I needed the extra income. But I mean, that that Kickstarter was such a whirlwind eighteen days, and since the product was essentially working. Uh, we wanted to, and it, it's so crazy. Like I'm so opinionated on crowdfunding because of the way we did roll 20. Like it, the Kickstarter ended, the closed beta began a day after. Like we, we immediately got, um, the higher level backers that were promised, uh, early access access and the things that they did to help us shape the program, uh, you know, they, they still take effect today. I think one of the things that's the coolest is somebody, the reason that there are card decks in Roll20 is that a uh, one of our two $500 backers really wanted to play Savage Worlds, which has the initiative that's based off of a deck. Right. And so that was the, his one request in the world. And so it, it, that the reason that's there is a user wanted it. And there are so many things, you know, it definitely wasn't all big backers that made requests. Every little thing about... You know, the dice rolling and stuff like uh, the truth of the matter is, is that Richard Riley and I had only played fourth edition to any extent um, before we started roll 20. Like we hadn't played anything else, uh, any amount of time to, to be able to do it. So the community really uh, came together, educated us and got this thing moving in a way that was, uh, I don't know, humbling and scary. Like uh, I think Mid July was when we came out, or at least switched to a uh, open beta, and then we went full on regular in September, I believe, of 2012. Uh, alongside the launching of subscriptions and trying to figure out exactly how monetization would work, and it's worked. Like that's that's the other crazy thing is like you know just because a crowdfunding campaign works doesn't mean that uh, you end up with a sustainable business. Oh no! Well, and it, it took us a while because we really wanted the base product to be free. Um, and it's it's funny how much of this is all utility to us because we knew if we were trying to get our friends to use this, uh, they wouldn't want to download anything. So it's browser based. Uh, we knew that they wouldn't want to pay anything. So it's for you think about it exactly like you would think about an actual game of dungeons and dragons you know you're trying to get your friend (laughs) to play for the first time and he or she is like "Uh, i don't know about this it all sounds kind of weird and so you have to lower that barrier to entry like i'll make it really easy on you all you got to do is come over all you gotta 
and we approach it in the same way that you know we know that there's going to be that one person uh, the the dungeon master or whomever who's really excited about it and trying to get everybody else in and that sort of thing but the other people coming at it may be coming at it for the first time going well you know maybe i'll try this out <laughs> and by by trying to appeal to that group um while at the same time you know allowing that game master person who's willing to spend money uh as many cool things as we can to uh, to have them have that interest in spending the money we found the balance and it, it really has worked uh I, and it's one of those things it's nice how pleased everybody is with it 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 took a while i mean definitely people when they first were subscribing and richard and i said this a lot um the initial subscriptions that we launched with uh the value did not equal yet the price you know the mm -hmm. the five dollars for what we offered right out of the gate with a subscription we were like you know this is this is us <laughs> trying we're not there yet uh but within a year um we felt a lot better about the the features that we had and uh, i mean now I, I really do feel like we've got a very viable product and definitely there's no way with the amount of subscribers that we have you know that we've now hired on two full-time people a part-time game master and we have a, a paid intern this summer um you know that that is not uh, charity money anymore <laughs> but like like this is definitely a very real enterprise and uh it's you know it's really cool to have been a part of that from the ground floor of me calling my buddy riley to brag about oh i'm playing D, &D again <laughs> so now you said like you were thinking about your friends when you created this and that there were only a few of you at the start and then the kickstarter took off to date how many people have interacted with roll 20 or played a game using the software Oh, let me pull up the number because um, <laughs> right now the the countdown is we're we'll hit a million probably in the next I'm gonna say month and a half or so. Um, oh. Nine hundred and forty two thousand two hundred and seventy one accounts uh, is the current number. Only about five thousand of which are on at this exact moment, which is also an amazing thing about this business model. Is that you know it, unlike an MMO where everybody and their neighbor might tr be trying to get on at once. Uh, and this is so much more scheduled. You know, you you pick your three hours that you're going to try to play your campaign, and maybe you're only able to do it on Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but, you know, you don't then get back in the interface and spend another three hours playing tomorrow. I mean, <laughs> there are some who do that, but the, but overall... It's made you know server scaling and stuff like that much easier than it could have been in. Uh, it, we've been very lucky <laughs> in terms of the business that we've fallen into here. So, do you know like what your most popular nights are and everything like that? Um, I mean, definitely the the weekend has the most popularity. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It kind of depends on what the weekends. And, well, like a in a Sunday where there's no work Monday in the U.S. because Memorial Day. Uh, as we just had that would, that was a huge day um oh, gotcha. you know, days like that do very very well but it, you know most nights have some uh spike to it and it, it is mostly u.s time uh nights but at the same time it, we see spikes in other areas so like recently within the past month or so uh, a good third of our new accounts have been coming from france and this is entirely a result of some big time uh, YouTubers over there doing uh, games in Roll Twenty, and it was one. It took us a, a hot minute to figure out exactly where the spike was because they didn't. There wasn't a directed link 
mm-hmm. in their videos, but eventually we we got figured out, oh, you know, here's this YouTube series where they're very obviously using us. <laughs> uh, and, and things like that, that you know, you, uh, we, we refer to that as the black voodoo magic because there's times where it's just like we don't even understand fully uh, where the traffic's coming from. And it, honestly, that's that's kind of my main push right now in terms of what I personally am working on is I'm trying to get our Google Analytics tracking and that sort of stuff to be um, more reactive to that sort of uh, you know crazy influx so we can get a better idea of doing some of that um, forecasting, I suppose, is the way to look at it. But yeah, it, we get, you know, it, I would say right now the the number a day is probably around 1,300 is about the average. Um, like today happens to be a better day than that. I'm looking at the numbers right now. We have uh, 1,551 people that have come on and that have joined uh, for the first time in the last 24 hours. Wow. And I could not tell you how they all got here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, one of the things that's really amazing is you guys put out your your quarterly reports of which games are playing and everything, and those have sort of become an industry standard for saying this is the most popular game right now. It's amazing. It, it, it's great. It's one of those. I'm I'm so glad that um, we've ended up doing this because it is such a cool metric, and and I like the fact that it kind of matches. Uh, it's very similar to what you see when you look at the uh, IVC2 purchase reports. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not a one to one ratio uh, because you'll see older games that have some more popularity on us that don't still have things on the shelves, right? Uh, which is really cool. But yeah, it, it was one of those ideas that you know we realized after after we're the point that we're the largest online grouping of tabletop gaming players. It was like, well, you know, if we if we compiled our numbers that's really something that might be interesting. And also uh, it, to be completely honest and selfish about it might help us in uh, the licensing conversations mm-hmm. that we are trying to have. <laughs> with companies. But yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Well, and, and the little things that happen that are, I find the overall, like it, there's a lot of people talking about the top and pathfinder versus D and D, which I don't buy into at all. Like it, in, in some ways it's all D and D, which Maybe heresy to some, but you know, there's a there's a similarity up there. Oh, but well, I that, find I mean there would not be Pathfinder without D and D. I think yeah. even the people at Paizo would tell you that. You know. Well, but uh, I think that the the only thing up there in the top that's interested me is the fact that um, Fifth Edition being a you don't have to play as a gridded game and being the most popular game in Roll Twenty right now is a big sigh of relief to us. Because we always wonder, you know, are we doing enough to support uh, non-gridded games? And this is kind of a, oh, well, it, it, we must. <laughs> um, but uh, in the lower games, like, and this is, uh, you know, Stars Without Number was a game that was not even on our list. And because of it being played on roleplay, um, you know, has started to work its way up. Mm-hmm. And so things like that, we it's just super interesting. Um, to see that sort of movement, and uh, I'll be interested to see as we have some licensed content coming up here in the in the near future, what that does to some of the numbers and moving things around. Uh, once we start to see you know modules that help people get into a system appear on Roll Twenty. Well, I'm sure that it must be cool to see the industry holding up your own reports as something that was helpful for you is now helpful for everybody. So, oh yeah, you know, thank you for that. And one of my favorite things about Roll Twenty is that there is 
like you said, there's literally no cost and no barrier to entry. You talked a little bit about how you came up with that idea and the thought process behind it. Were you guys fearful of people just uh, using the service for free and not paying for anything at all once you got up and running? I mean, I think we knew that we the the bar needed to be at the right place because we didn't want to we didn't want to be it, it to be a pain point. So the example being, you know, when you talk about freemium games, well, you put in ten hours, and now if you don't give me ten dollars, get out of here. Uh, and then I think that we ourselves were very like, how do we make something that is only bonuses? It's as much you know positive as we can to get people to subscribe, as opposed to you know as little stick as possible. And I, I really like what we've done in that regard. Things like dynamic lighting um, at the supporter level, things like the API, the application programming interface at the mentor level, they're big bonuses. They're things that really. Uh, change your gameplay and make a difference for the folks that are grouping with you and you can do a lot to take advantage of but at the same time they aren't for everybody and it doesn't hurt you if you don't necessarily have them so it it's one of those it definitely took some time like it wasn't an overnight aha we've got it Mm -hmm. Um, but it it was nothing that uh, was super duper scary because the three of us were very much in agreement that we wanted this to go down a very particular way well, talk to me a little bit about what you can do with Roll20 right now. So for people who are out there, and it sounds like pretty much everybody must be familiar with it at this point, if almost a million people have used it. But- I mean, but at the same time, those, those 1,500 new people every day, I, I think there's definitely somebody out there who doesn't know about us. And, and well, and at the same time, too, I think that um, people may have an awareness of games like Dungeons & Dragons, but have no uh, have never actually played it themselves. And so I think uh, we have not hit the ceiling yet on um, where the tabletop industry is going. And I think that that makes it a really exciting time to be here. But in terms of what Roll20 does, um, I think you know, it, the, the most basic is it's shared image space. Like it allows you to put down maps, tokens, and things like that in a very easy drag and drop interface uh, where you can you know, share drawings, share handouts. Um, there's voice and video if you want to talk to each other uh, in a you know a, a visual or vocal manner. Dice rolling, uh, our dice roller is absolutely ridiculous, both in its random number generation, which is based on fluctuations of a quantum of light, uh, is the formula <laughs> that's plugged into it, uh, the quantum roll engine, and then what you can do with it in terms of um, the roles that are available to you for the plethora of games uh, that people are interested in. So there's a, I mean, I, I would say the dice roller has, has probably become the most interesting feature in what, you know, it, it, there's so, it has to do so many things for so many people. Um, so mm-hmm. that's been a really, really cool thing to see grow and take on scope. Um but beyond that, like it's already talked about, uh, dynamic lighting is very cool. And then the things that people are doing with the API, more and more, uh, you see really creative things that since we take a more system agnostic approach that we're not trying to automate your game, uh, this kind of gives people the opportunity that if they do want to do something like, well, this token reached half health uh, that represents my character and I automatically want it to show as bloodied. Uh, mm-hmm. You can you can do things like that, and the the things that people do in that regard, 
Um, like one of my favorite API, uh, somebody actually made a video after they had done this showing off uh, what they had done is that the person, when they went to bloodied, you know, and they were at half health, if they moved the token, it left behind a little blood path, which is <laughs> 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 so morbid and so <laughs> hilarious, but it's one of those things like, Oh, that's really funny and really cool. The community has done so much. Well, and even at this point, the, the character sheets, um, that we have our community contributed overall things that members of the community have have felt it important that they're able to play this game or that game, mm-hmm. and so they've gone and and made uh, CSS HTML uh, sheets that people can use, and that's really amazing. The amount of I'd have to look at what the character sheet list is at right now. So I think there's a hundred and thirty six contributors at this point. Whoa! So yeah. It, that's a lot of it's a lot of work. Uh, yeah, that's one of those things that it, you know it's it's amazing that people are passionate enough in this uh, in this area that they want to add to the community in this way. Talk to me a little bit about Roll Twenty because one of the things that I have found now is that it actually makes parts of my game go faster than if I were sitting at the table because it's doing the math because it's rolling the dice that kind of thing. But then there are things that I can do that I can't even do at the table. So talk to me a little bit about the dynamic lighting, because that for me is one of like, it's the first time I've ever played D and D where uh, sight and the light source you're using and that kind of thing actually matter on the battle yeah. grid. <laughs> well, and, and that was one of those things like we knew that there was a, there were things that we could never mimic. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there were things that, we're never going to be as successful in just the quick, easy uh, collaboration that can just happen at a table or or things like dice towers and, and that sort of nuttiness. But we knew we could do that better. You know, like we could we could do vision in a way um, that you can never achieve at the table or even as simple as this sounds like the fact that you can leave the table without having to like your kitchen table has not been abandoned for two weeks between your game. You know, nobody touched that. We're, we're in the middle of a fight. Like that's, it's a really, really convenient thing. And so we, we tried to think about the things that we could min-max in that sort of way that would help uh, gameplay. And, and now we're kind of transitioning back as well. So in addition to having things like dynamic lighting, which is, you know, this is a feature that we can only do uh, online in this way that, you know, the, that the actual vision ranges and the darkness work with fog of war and that sort of stuff. Um, this new application that we've put out for Android and iPad does a whole lot in terms of kind of bridging the gap. So, you know, you can be playing digitally and have your character sheet uh, shown to you in this method, or, you can go from the other aspect of being playing in person and bring your roll 20, you know, like you were talking about, it makes rolls and some of the math and that sort of stuff a whole lot easier. And that was, some of this is a result of, you know, playing in person still. And I found myself when I had a 30th level fourth edition character that as, you know, a kajillion different uh, martial attacks (laughs) that have all these, you know, sneak attack bonuses and flanking and da, 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 da. Um, yeah, it is really convenient to have, and it, and it doesn't necessarily have to go to that video game extent that, you know, it's not automated. It's not doing everything for me. I'm still going and going, Oh, I need to add this bonus. Um, but it makes it a much faster, you know, I just select it, remember that it's there 
and add it in. And so, yeah, it, right now I, I do think what we're seeing in terms of coming back to the physical table is a really, really interesting prospect and definitely not something that we uh, immediately foresaw when we started this thing uh, back in 2012. So what do you think then sets you guys apart from other virtual tabletops out there? Uh, we're easier to use. I mean, that, 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 is, <laughs> that is really the the number one thing. The, our barrier to entry is lower. Um, that you don't have to download something. You don't have to spend X amount of dollars uh, for entry. Uh, it, that's that's what's made us, by and large, the the standard. It, is that it's easy. Uh, everybody, every time somebody else comes out with a it, there was a period where it seemed like there was a new virtual tabletop crowdfunding campaign every two months <laughs> and we'd look at it when you know when things were earlier on for us and we weren't as established and go you know is this going to be a problem and then they would talk about you know what their monetization method would be and like oh, no, never mind <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not we're not worried about that because this is the the method that they are choosing to go with and it it really I mean, that is 90% of the difference. I, I do think, too, the other more popular tabletops out there that are, are still getting along, that they make a lot more decisions that are based on individual games as opposed to agnostic choices that are what do you need at a gaming table. Um, so, so an example of that, um, because we had not played a whole bunch of role-playing games uh, that involved card decks. We went and the very first thing that we programmed for card decks to do was Settlers of Catan. Uh, because you know, you've, if you've ever played Settlers of Catan, you've got five decks worth of resource cards and then you have what's called victory cards and soldiers and all these different um, elements that you're trading amongst players. And so we knew because there was trading, because there was stealing, because there were separated decks... Uh, that's a whole lot of features to have to think about and it would cover a lot of our bases and being able to accomplish those things was going to accomplish things for a lot of a lot of different games um, and approaching it from that angle instead of just all right how do we do initiative in savage worlds um, it, it made a huge difference in the amount of I mean it, suddenly we had uh, Arkham Horror style games being played in Roll20 which you know, we had never played at that point. And it was simply a matter of us going, what all do I, what is the most amount of things that I'm going to have to do at a table with cards? <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I love it because I was able to bring in the deck of many things into my yeah. D&D game. You know, it's, it's those little things that when you're designing something, like you said, that's system agnostic, and then you have a creative community who can figure out other things to do with, uh, you know, something might be there for Savage Worlds, but then, they're bringing it into other games, you know, and then it also allows for things like rolling fate dice. If you want to play fate, you can do that. Well, and the amount of things that people have done with uh, with rollable tables. So essentially, you know, you can make your own many sided surface of mm -hmm. anything within roll 20. And so you have people that use that to make their own dice. So we've had, we see people, you know, make edge of the empire dice or something like that. Uh, but then we have people make tokens that, all right, here is the, stone monster that turns into flesh and here's it dead and so they've got they've got their token set up to essentially undergo metamorphosis uh on the table and all be connected as one same token but these three separate images that they're rotating 
amongst depending on where they're at and things. That's really cool. Like that's, that's been one of the, the more open that we leave things uh, for people to try different, you know, we're, we're very big believers in that there's no right or wrong way as everybody is having fun and everybody. And and that's one of the reasons that uh, we've moved away from allowing, we don't on our forums allow role-playing discussion. So often people get into arguments about, well, this is the right way to play a tabletop game. Uh, (laughs) This is the correct rule set. And that's absurd. Like if everybody at your party is having fun, that's the right way. And if everybody at your party isn't having fun, uh, you know, find a new group, you know, find, uh, find somebody who will get along with you. And that's, uh, that becomes our challenge then, uh, in terms of trying to get together better groups. Uh, the number one reason that somebody stops using roll 20 from, uh, exit surveying that we do is not, or not any issue with the, uh, the product it's that their group falls apart. And so uh, the the challenge for us in the in the coming years is kind of becoming the match.com of uh, putting together the perfect gaming group. So trying to you know help people figure out how important are rules to you versus storytelling versus you know all those different things that pull us in that way or the other. That's yeah. pretty awesome because I know one of the things you guys have been known for sort of since the beginning is people meeting each other on Roll20 and playing games, that, you know, like maybe there's a guy out in the middle of nowhere in Alaska, right? But he's got an internet connection and he wants to play games. He can find a group through the boards on Roll20. It's cool that you're talking about thinking about uh, enhancing that in the future. What are your plans for that kind of thing? Well, it, it really does come down to, and we've, we've started to roll out some of this, just doing a little bit more in terms of what the options are, you know, how you present yourself or how groups present themselves um, so you can get an idea of what you're getting into and make certain that everybody is on the same page. Because that's usually where the, the clash comes up is that you know uh, somebody gets into a group and they were like, "Well, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I didn't know that you know you were going to have you were going to have this weird house rule about no multi-classing, da da da, things like that 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 end up being um, pressure points that drive people away from a game. And so, the more that we can get up front in terms of figuring out, like uh, my big thing is uh, the rule of cool. You know, mm-hmm. I I want to make certain that any gaming group that I play with. You know, if it's if it's something not explicitly covered in the rules, or if we're trying to move the game along and we don't know the rule, you know, there's not uh, we don't want to spend every waking moment paging through the books, right? <laughs> uh, that you know, it, does this sound cool? Okay, is this going to break the game? No. Well, then let's do it. And so having those sorts of things to fall back on, uh, that's important to me and my groups. But I understand that there are groups out there that want every single thing measured, and that's totally fine. But that means that that's not the group for me. And so trying to help people find uh, that balance is, yeah, it's a, it's a very important thing to us. But it, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, being known from the beginning as a, as a place where people are meeting folks because that was so weird to us uh, <laughs> when it started. Because we made this to play amongst ourselves. And so we didn't have any thought as to, and, and for a while there, we were like, you know, we're not really going to focus on a, on a looking for group, looking for games aspect of this at all, um, because we are just a virtual tabletop and your table doesn't help you find other groups. Um, <laughs> but, but eventually we, you know, uh, pulled our heads out and, and figured out, you know, this is important. And it, it's been interesting too, to watch that transition uh, because initially in those first six months in particular, every email we got was, 
oh my gosh, thank you. My group hasn't played together in 10 years. You brought us back together. And as time went on, uh, this other sort of email came in that was, hey, I've always been interested in this, but never felt that there was a way that, you know, I, I could dabble in it without, you know, having to go to a hobby store and there's not one around me or I don't like the one that's around me or whatever that, uh, that barrier was. And now I'm playing and I like it a lot. And so to see that the rise of that player uh, via Roll20 has been really, really, really cool. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. And that you're growing the hobby like that, bringing back people who couldn't play before. You know, I was kind of in a similar situation where my group was on hold because I had moved and I was the dungeon master and had all the books, you know. Um, yeah. But then also the fact that you can bring in totally new players is is incredible and incredible that it was an unintended consequence for you guys yep and it it honestly like in all honesty we did not realize exactly it the amount of responsibility that's come with some of this (laughs) is stuff that's like oh we didn't quite know what we're getting into but um at the same time i think we've all uh taken it in stride and and grown really nicely with it and figured out you know a way to and that was an interesting thing too is like figuring out the balance uh, with the three of us in terms of like we go back and forth on whether or not we're playing a game, but there was one period where you know, we'd been working way too much and not playing a game with each other. And it's like, didn't we get into this so we could like, at least, at least we're seeing each other regularly, but didn't we get into this to, to play and hang out with each other? And so even at times too, we'll go through phases like right now, we're probably playing more heroes of the storm than we are playing uh, games with each other in Roll Twenty because it's less work. <laughs> like, you know, when I get in the interface, sometimes, and we did play a uh, uh, Steve Koontz, who is our uh, our secondary developer. Um, mm-hmm. He's a great games master. If uh, folks haven't checked out his Lost in Oz series, he ran with us. It was a lot of fun. He's actually a, a, a Frank Baum expert. He's part of the uh, the fan society for uh, the Wizard of Oz. You know the the book franchise. Oh, no way. And yeah, so he, he made an amazing, like really immersive Oz world that was, you know, a fully formed, you know, it's not just the, uh, the 39 film. It is a full on, you know, you, it, it felt like a, a fantasy world that there were loads of rule books sitting out there somewhere that somebody had done worth a background. And it was just, you know, Steve's knowledge of this universe. Um, and it was a really, really fun campaign, but he recently ran a, a, one shot that ended up being a two shot with us uh, of a horror style, almost cabins in the woods nice. uh, setup. Uh, that was a whole lot of fun. But but when you're doing something like that, you can't help but be like, oh, we need to move this thing here in the interface to there because <laughs> that'd be a little bit better. And that doesn't happen when I'm playing Heroes of the Storm. I just I go I go smash the core, and it's a much <laughs> it's a much simpler. Uh, brain experience, which sometimes you you need um, with the folks that you're working with, so that you're not constantly on that level of work, 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 work. Oh but, yeah, you gotta give your brain a rest. You know, you yeah. definitely have to. So, in that note of like supporting the community, which you guys do a great job of, you also uh, you know allow people to sell their own adventures, their own artwork as tokens and maps and things like that. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how that works for potential artists and designers out there who want to get their stuff seen on Roll20. Uh, that was a really important thing uh, in particular to me coming from comics is that I wanted there to be a, a good deal for folks out there. Mm-hmm. And so 
the general deal is a 70-30 split with you not only getting the the 70% of the sale and we take uh, out of our 30% we do the credit card fees and the processing and that sort of stuff too so you get a you know a, a real honest chunk uh, and you own the rights to your material fully as well nice uh, so so we wanted it to i don't know we and we weren't looking uh, overall for exclusivity um, we are talking about maybe moving towards some of that as time goes on but um, we we really wanted to I don't know, have a place that people could bring cool things and uh, share in this with us. And it's been so fun to see a variety of creators, uh, map makers, uh, token creators, and uh, folks who do full-on adventure modules have some very real uh, success within Roll20. And I don't know, it's just, it's it's cool to have, it, it, it makes sense, you know, it's, Everybody wins in a scenario like like we win by having content and they win by having a, a platform where a lot of people are going to see their content. You know, it, it makes sense for everybody at the table. And I like that a lot. I love it when you're coming to a business decision of doing something like this and you can understand why every party would want to be involved in it. And it was really, really important um, having come from doing creative things uh, to make it a no brainer. For people who do, well, and it's it's been fun too to see people who uh, have come at this as a hobbyist. You know that okay, well, I play uh, with my group, and I made some science fiction tokens, and I think they're pretty good. Uh, do you think this might sell? And having it sell, and having them then you know make more and more. Who are some folks who right now really stick out? Russ Hapke oh, yeah. uh, has been doing those amazing like oh, and that, that's the sort of thing I'd never seen somebody do that in a plug and play way so he mm-hmm. it, these overview tolkien-esque map creation and you think about that and everybody wants that map in their game like uh, every time that you're playing at the table uh you have your you know your gridded battle map but then you also have that overview of the world and it was you know two years of the marketplace existing before anybody came up with a way to do that sort of overworld view and it's so cool <laughs> Uh, now that down that it's there, uh, things like that just blow my mind. Uh, Stephen Shomo has done a lot of different sets recently that um, he he wants geared towards people who use the API. So he'll do things like if you put these two tokens over each other, which he writes a script that'll move them automatically, uh, but you can do manually. It reveals a secret. Um, so he he does all these puzzles that are you know really brilliant thing the, the sort of obnoxious thing that as a gm you want your players to have to struggle and move things around and figure out <laughs> uh you know and not just fight things not just hit stuff um and so he's been doing creations that fall into that sort of method there's such a wide variety of things on the marketplace i, I think uh the most difficult thing has been um, that sometimes when somebody takes a chance and they don't go all the way, it doesn't quite go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those, uh, I call it the, uh, the action figure theory that, <laughs> uh, you're never going to buy a line of action figures where you, there's only, you know, a half dozen good guys that exist. You need good guys, you need bad guys, you need a playset. set. Yes. Uh, and, and that's very much what people want when they're buying things in this setup. Uh, they, they want to know that they can run a full campaign. And so, I mean, as far back as a year and a half ago, we really started warning uh, new 
folks applying to the marketplace, you're going to need to do probably three packs. So if, if this is not interesting to you, don't do it. Don't, don't get into this. Um, but by and large, you know, there are still uh, new folks every month uh, that jump in and take a shot at it. And it's been so cool to see grow. And it's so cool that you let people retain the rights uh, and that you're passionate it's about important. that. Yeah. I, I think. I, I mean, I really think that if you're, if you're looking at doing something like this, you want to know. It, I mean, you're creating a world. You are creating an IP, a, an intellectual property um, that came from you and that you are passionate about. And I think uh, trying to snake that from somebody uh, when all we're doing is distributing it. And I mean, it, let's be fair, the distributing it is extremely important. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a, you know, the money being made would not be made if there wasn't the platform uh, there drawing people in, getting the eyeballs on the content and that sort of thing. But I didn't come up with the world. You know, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't come up with the, uh, you know, all those cool ideas that you did. And so I, I think having a deal that recognizes that is. I don't know. It's it's incredibly important, and I'm bummed regularly by the amount of companies uh, that I dealt with in comics that don't quite understand that. Let's talk a little bit about Apocalypse World, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, so you hit a little bit on Lost in Oz, which was a great series that you guys put out, and people can go back, watch that on YouTube. We'll link it all up in the show notes for this episode. Um, but Apocalypse World is your current series uh talk to me about that talk to me about your new gm and everything it is awesome it, it's i mean it is definitely very very cool uh adam coble is the one who's running this game and he's assembled uh, in addition to uh our community manager uh stephanie powell mm-hmm. uh, a really cool group i think the the whole water world partial amnesia setup. Uh, is is a lot of fun and i think to the amount of community interaction uh that they're doing is is pretty unique and and i think that's been an advantage of having adam at the table in that you know he in in part you know creating dungeon world and things like that he's got a a really savvy understanding of that sort of uh group storytelling and so this has been his uh he's he's done a really good job of getting input and engaging the community and having people excited. Uh, I think maybe is it next, is it this week or next week? Very soon. Uh, he's going to be announcing what the next game is. I already know it is cool, <laughs> um, but there will be, you know, there will be more games in the future. We're going to rotate in and out games and try to have a, a balance of things going on. Um, but, and, and it's, it's interesting too, for as many people as are, uh, into this game. And that, that's the weird thing about this is looking at it as a product, um, is that, you know, definitely not everybody who uses roll 20 has any interest in watching somebody else play a role playing game. Mm-hmm. And, and on the flip side, there are all these people in the Twitch sphere who are absolutely interested in watching content and are never going to sit down themselves and play a game in roll 20. And so it's an it's a very interesting uh, space to be in that you know trying to appeal to all crowds. But we uh, on our subreddit today there was somebody talking about, are you guys going to do another game at some point? Because man, oh man, I <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't like Apocalypse World. I don't know. Uh, one of those interesting things that comes from trying to appeal uh, to as many crowds as possible. But it, like I said, we do have other games on the way and. It's fun to finally have 
something that is regular and ongoing in the space because it, uh, things like role play and like misclicks, uh, the the Twitch channels have been a really important part of Roll Twenty's growth. Definitely introduced us to new people, and have definitely too uh, uh, things like uh, I was talking about the quantum roll earlier and the fluctuations of light, uh, you know, back end in terms of the randomness. And part of the reason that exists is that a uh, a character that everybody was really into on uh, the original role play series died after a series of rolling, I think, four crit fails in a row or something <laughs> like that. People were like, ah, oh, the dice are rigged, the dice are rigged. And like our random number generation was really, really good at that point. All right, now it's time to make it stupid. <laughs> like, now, now we're going to go to an extent that nobody could ever... Uh, and it's you know people are still superstitious about that sort of thing, but <laughs> well, uh, they it, they will be forever. Yeah, well, and, and that's when you know humans look for patterns where there are none. Um, <laughs> I think the apocalypse world uh, setup has gone really nicely so far, and I'm excited uh, to see you know what all comes from that uh, and what comes from the other games in the in the future. But it's been fun to to have kind of our own. It, that's it. We've done uh, sponsorships with some of the other streams out there, but it is nice to have something where uh, we absolutely know. All right, Roll Twenty is going to be used really well in this. You know that that they're going to take because that's something too that some of these streams um, that have that have happened, they'll be running their character sheet off of an Excel sheet. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are you doing? Like, <laughs> have you looked at the program? Because we have things that can help you. Never, ever, ever need to do that. Uh, and it, it's funny because Adam, uh, before he uh, he was in the position, was guilty of some of that as well. Uh, there was a what was it? He was playing Shadowrun, and it was so funny to watch because like he set it up, and they were individually rolling because it's Shadowrun. You need you know absurd amounts of dice. Uh, in a success fail role, mm-hmm. and he's oh, trying yeah. to have he's trying to have somebody on the show. Uh, I think it's Mirror Shades, right? It's the the role play uh, group that does that, and so he, he's trying to have them roll this. And it was crazy to watch chat uh, in Twitch freak out, like, "Why don't you have a macro setup? What is wrong with you?" Uh, and it it's been really lovely having him now on the other side of the fence where we can make certain that all of that, like he comes to us ahead of time. like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And we make certain, all right, you know how to do it. Or if we haven't, and that that's another huge advantage for us is uh, because we did come to this uh, as mostly fourth edition players. It's always great to have around folks who have an understanding of a, of a larger amount of games. Mm-hmm. And Steve has brought a lot of that uh, from the development side. He really is a power user and it's been really nice to have, uh, him there working on features and Adam now brings in another element of that, you know, being an actual game designer. Oh, totally. uh, yeah. Like it's, it's, we are, we are lucky in a lot of different ways in how things are coming together currently. Can you give me a little tease about maybe something you've got coming up in the future? Uh, I, you know, what kind I mean, of things if, you got? Dan, if, if you want, I will give you the big, uh, the I big would reveal. love the big reveal. I would love so to um, it, the update is not yet named. We will probably come up with a name for it. Uh, we've we've been tossing around a few things, but nothing has been decided. But the main push of this update is going to be a major uh, site facelift. Uh, the design of which has already been completed, but it's going to be a lot easier to navigate the website, and it looks gorgeous. 
so this is not the the sexiest um, in application features or anything like that. Uh, there are still some things that we're going to be working on, I think, compendium wise and stuff like that. Uh, but later this summer, uh, the Roll20 website is going to feel very fresh and very shiny and very new. And it really does make a huge difference um, in terms of just, uh, I think one of the things about Roll20, you know, we, we started this talking about the beginning of the program. The people I was playing Dungeons and Dragons with uh, out here in Las Vegas, uh, amongst them was a graphics designer by the name of Dylan Todd. And he designed Roll20's first logo, you know, Roll20's logo. Like it's still the logo. He's a professional <laughs> designer. We paid him for the design. Uh, it's a hell of a, like, it's a gorgeous. Oh, it's great. Um, it's great. Yeah. And it, well, and it's, it's one of those things. I went with uh, my wife to San Diego Comic Con two years ago and she's wearing a roll 20 shirt and somebody comes up like, where did you get that shirt she's like oh you use roll 20 like, no where did you like that shirt is cool <laughs> and i think that's an amazing thing to have in a logo there were a lot of things that we've been talking about in terms of site mapping if you go to the website right now there's that double bar system and some of the things are redundant like it we have so many problems that have arisen over years of building this on top of each other without a chance to really sand it down right. and uh and make it function so like it, i have right now i'm on the main home page of roll 20 and i have the community forums at the top in a black bar and then the community forums again in the bottom in a blue bar like mm. why is it like what happened there with the, <laughs> with the setup of the site that this sort of so we've been talking about needing desperately uh, to do an overhaul of what the map of the website works like. Um, but we brought back in Dylan uh, to to give us a kind of a visual uptick in terms of what we could do to kind of play into his original logo. And uh, a lot of that has already been rolled out onto social media. If you've seen the big blocky, uh, we even did it in our most recent t-shirt campaign, uh, you know, cool kids play RPGs and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so we've started to roll this out on social media, but now it's time to come back to the core, you know, the website, the thing that really matters the most and uh, deploy this thing like the bomb it is. And it, it frees us up to do so many other things. It, we, we try to you know find a balance between jumping in and doing big features like the, you know, the, our last update being the update of holding with the iPad and Android apps. Like that was a lot of brand spanking new stuff to take on. And, and also something too that is, um, while, it, while it has an appeal to a large number of people, it doesn't necessarily touch everyone because not everyone has tablets and is going to be using it. So we wanted to do something that was uh, much more focused on the guts of what already existed. And so big, bad uh, site redesign. And it's been so much fun uh, working on it. But yeah, that is that is the, uh, the gist of this update. And there, there will be other things. There always ends up being other things. We have a problem with <laughs> like, <laughs> a very honest uh, issue in terms of we don't like uh, problems to sit any longer than they have to. So uh, like even this past week, we pushed out a small update um, that refocused the player directory um, so that you could search by people's email addresses, which was something that people had wanted to do for a long time. And, uh, it, you know, essentially a better site-wide user search. And then we also totally overhauled um, what you can do with role templates. Mm-hmm. So you used to be able to only do a particular number, but now you can roll greater, roll less, and roll between numbers uh, when, you do, when you're creating role templates. 
So things like that, you know, that could be along with a half dozen things, an update in and of itself. But we consider that the small, eh, here's, we, we got that done uh, because it was something that was sitting there uh, and needed to be done. But as far as, you know, big updates, we, we do like to do something that's got some teeth to it. And this site redesign, uh, when people see it, uh, I think they're going to be really shocked as to the extent of with, oh, wow, like this, this looks like, uh, what Roll Twenty, you know, its brand looks like in a way that the website itself has not fully looked like yet, and also will clean up so many silly little issues that we've allowed to accumulate over time. Because you know that's the that's the danger of doing this uh, small business style is that you know, we're we're much more focused inside the interface than we are at the uh, the website at times. And by changing this, it'll help uh, the things like looking for group a whole heck of a lot in the years to come. Well, I mean, I can't wait to check it out. And I do appreciate all the little updates that happen. It feels like you guys are always on top of stuff. So honestly, the biggest problem is we bite off more than we can chew. <laughs> it's, it's like, um, we don't like, um, it, it's one of those tough things that there's so many people to please. Uh, another moderator conversation uh, recently was like, uh, somebody really wanted uh, X, Y, and Z for the API. It's like, mm, that is not time right now. <laughs> like, we got to choose between this, that, and the other. And uh, this is what we're going with right now. I, I would say as well, um, if you're not excited about a site redesign, other things that are happening uh, that will hopefully be announced in the coming months, uh, I do have at least one cool licensing deal that is signed uh, and we're just waiting to push some things live. So that's going to be uh, very cool. But a couple other licensing deals that are out there with really cool um, role-playing game companies that I'm very, very, very pleased to be doing something official with. Nice. Things to look forward to. Uh, I think we'll have a couple uh, announcements before Gen Con comes around. And, well, and th- that's another thing that's funny about this too, about the way our updates cycles have come. Uh, is like we we now have the before Gen Con or right after Gen Con update because <laughs> <laughs> that is you know, one of the few times that uh, Richard Riley and I get to see each other in a year, and we we put a lot of planning um, towards that, as I think many companies in the role playing game space do. But uh, this is now. I wish we had the name that makes this all so much easier when we've got the name for the update, but the next update, the one that looks cool is coming and will probably be here all before Gen Con. So huzzah. Excellent. Well, before you go, man, how can people who are out there who have not yet checked out roll 20, check out roll 20, uh, roll 20.net is the easiest and most upfront way. I would also highly suggest if you're coming at this brand new, um, our wiki has a whole lot of information, wiki.roll20.net, including something that's called a Roll20 crash course and uh, an introduction to RPGs. So um, Kristen Carlson, who is one of our longtime moderators, um, we contracted her to do, she did such a good job, uh, a video series that introduces you to tabletop RPGs for the first time. And gives you know the the basic what is a tabletop RPG, what sort of games are out there, and how do you pick the system that's right for you? 
Uh, and it's really, really, really convenient for those who are jumping in for the very first time. And then on the flip side, if you are an absolute expert, you know, I'm going to run 13th age, but I'm going to change the way the escalation dice work and da, 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 uh, the roll 20 crash course, uh, series of videos again on our wiki, uh, makes it really, really easy to come in and design the tabletop for the first time, figure out how you're going to manage your character sheets and things like that. Yeah, those videos are incredible. So everybody should go check those out. We'll link all of that over at thetomeshow.com. Where can people find you online, Nolan? Uh, at Nolan TJ is the most common place on Twitter. Uh, these days, I'm mostly talking about playing Heroes of the Storm, because, <laughs> to, be, to be perfectly. And how awesome Mad Max was. Uh, it was very awesome. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's where you can uh, hunt me down on a day-to-day basis. Nice. Well, and I don't think anybody is going to disagree with you about Heroes of the Storm or Mad Max. So uh, they're both they're both pretty good things. I like both those things a lot. Yes. Yeah. And universally well loved, deservedly so. So. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining me today on the roundtable. I appreciate. It. Will you come back when you can reveal more of the things you were hinting at? Oh yeah, yeah. We can do this. Uh, we can do this again. I like coming back. Excellent. Excellent. And everybody out there, you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com or facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening, and thanks to Nolan for being on the show. A special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup, and extra special thanks to Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling, keep on listening to The Roundtable.